ridiculous. And Father, I've got a sermon and a lesson and notes, but only your spirit can minister to our people. And Father, I pray that you would use me this morning to be able to speak to your people. I pray that you would minister to my spirit, Lord, and as we uh, deal with the subject that is before us this morning, Lord, that we might strengthen our relationship with our uh, families, Lord, and that you would allow us to take seriously the, the members in our families that you've given us. We love you, Father. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Well, we're there in Second uh, Samuel chapter number 15, and like we talked about already, we last week we started a, a series entitled Functional Family. And we're talking about uh, the, the family, and, and there's so many dysfunction in family. Last week we talked about the dysfunction epidemic, and the epidemic in our country of just families that don't know how to uh, treat each other, and how to act together, and how to function. Marriages that are falling apart, and children that are going, uh, leaving Christian homes, and leaving uh, churches by the droves. And uh, last week I, I kind of told you uh, all the different weeks, and what we'll be talking about. Last week I mentioned that this week we're going to be dealing with the subject of the heart. Now, next week, we're going to be talking about marriage. So if you're married, your husband, your wife, uh, make sure you're here. Next week, we're going to talk, be talking about having a functional marriage. The week after that, we'll be talking about parenting. So if you've got a child, make sure you're here the week after that as well. But today, I kind of want to lay a foundation with this idea of the heart. Oftentimes, when marriages end... Long before the divorce papers were signed, one or two of the spouses has lost the heart of that individual. Long before your child turns 18 and leaves the home and rebels and does all those things that, that, that break your heart, mom, or break your heart, dad, you lost that child's heart a long time ago. And here in the story, we, and I wish I had the time to go through one of these days on a Sunday night, we'll preach through the books of First and Second Samuel, and we'll be able to cover everything in its context. But if you remember, David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. And as a result of that, God told him that there was going to be division within his family. And because of that, one of his sons raped his daughter. And here Absalom, his son, his other son, killed the son that raped the daughter. And Absalom has now come back to the kingdom. And Absalom is now uh, attempting in this chapter uh, to, to and, he, and he succeeds, to be able to carry out a, a political coup. And he removes his dad from the kingdom and he becomes king. In the next chapter, David and Absalom go to war. And some of you need to just learn to turn off the TV and open up your Bible because this is exciting stuff as you read God's Word. Better than any movie Hollywood could come up with. But I want you to notice... From the story that hearts can be stolen. Notice verse 1, 2 Samuel 15 and verse 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. This guy is getting ready to, to split the kingdom. He's getting ready to go to war. Verse 2, And Absalom rose up early. Now notice what he does. And stood beside the way of the gate. And, and it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is of one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy, matter, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. Absalom said, Moreover, Oh, that I were made a judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. And it was so, that when any man came nigh to him, to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand, and took him, and kissed him. Notice verse 6. 
And on this manner, or by this way, did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. Now notice what the Bible says here. And if you don't, if you like to underline in your Bible or write notes in your Bible, especially if you're a mom or a dad or you're in a marriage that you feel like may be falling apart, I would, I would, uh, I would encourage you to underline this phrase in your Bible. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Now I want you to understand something. That hearts can be stolen. Skip down to verse number 10. Notice how the story continues. But Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then he shall say, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. This is his attack. And with Absalom went 200 men out of Jerusalem that were called, and they went into their simplicity, and they knew not anything. And Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor from his city, even from Gilo, while he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy was strong, for the people increased continually with Absalom. And there came a messenger to David saying, notice, there came a messenger to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. And David said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, arise and let us flee. For we shall not else escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly, and bring evil upon us, and smite the city with the edge of the sword. So here we see that David was the leader. David was the king. David was the man that God had appointed to lead the nation. David was the man that God had appointed to lead these people. David was that, uh, the, the shepherd of these people. But David, as the leader, had lost the heart of his followers. The Bible says that so Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. The hearts of the men of Israel were after Absalom. And you know what? I'm not preaching about this this morning, but let me just go ahead and throw this in. Especially for those of you uh, men that are that are faithful to our church and you're kind of, you know, maybe uh, are men that I would uh, trust and, and ask you to do certain things and take up some leadership roles. You know... Let let me just remind you that in any church, and even in this church, the Bible says that there are certain men crept in unawares, and every church, and even in our church, there may come a day when a man comes in here attempting to steal the hearts of our people and split the church. There's many a church, many a good church has been split because some scoundrel, because some lazy individual that does not have the ability or the power to go and be used of God themselves will come in and try to deceive and, and cause a division among the church. And I would encourage our men, you know, you start hearing people talk about, well, I don't know that, you know, does the Bible really say, let's meet over here and don't tell the pastor and don't tell so and so and let's just talk and maybe we, you know, you start hearing stuff like that, hey, you got to stand up and say, no, that's wrong. The Bible says men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. If you've got to keep it secret, it's probably not right. If you've got to keep it hidden, it's probably not good. And I would encourage you men, don't be like the men of Israel that were carried about and had their hearts stolen. You may be saying, see, and here's what you are saying. I often talk to parents who say, I cannot get my teenager to listen to me. They, they, they listen more to their friend down the street than their mom and their dad who changed their diapers, who raised them, who clothed them, who loved them. Often a husband will come to me or a wife may come uh, to me and my wife and say, my, my marriage is, is falling apart and it seems like she is listening more to her co-workers than, than me or he's listening more to his friends than me and, and, and it seems like our hearts are drifting and, and you understand this, okay? It is possible... To have a heart stolen. Now you may be asking, well how do I know? How do I know if I have the heart of my child? How do I know if I have 
the heart of my wife. How do I know? You know, how do you identify that? Well, notice what the Bible says. How can you tell if someone, if you're losing someone's heart? Look at verse 10 again, 2 Samuel 15. And verse number 12, verse number 10. Notice, notice the story. But Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. Now notice verse 11. And with Absalom, notice, and with Absalom went 200 men out of Jerusalem. 200 men went and followed Absalom, the Bible says, verse 11, keep reading, that were called, and they, notice, they went in their simplicity, and they knew not anything. They didn't understand what Absalom was planning. They did not comprehend what was going on. They didn't really get the whole uh, idea, and that Absalom was going to, you know, dethrone King David. But here's what they did. They followed Absalom, because Absalom had their heart. You want to know if you have the heart of your child? Ask yourself this question. Do they follow me? Who are they following? Notice verse 12. And Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the the Gilanite, David's counselor, from his city, even from Gilo, while he offered sacrifices, and the conspiracy. Do you see that? And I would submit to you this morning that there is a conspiracy by the enemy to destroy your marriage, and there is a conspiracy by the enemy to destroy your children. And the conspiracy, notice, was strong for the people increased continually with Absalom. And there came a messenger to David saying, the hearts, notice, the hearts of the men of Israel are, notice this word, after Absalom. Say, how do you know who has the heart of your child? How do you know who has the heart of your spouse? How do you know who has the heart of, of those that God has given you to, to have a relationship with or maybe to lead those people? How do you know? The person they follow is the person that has their heart. And you follow who you listen to. Keep your finger there in 2 Samuel 15. That's the text for this morning. Go to Deuteronomy chapter number 30. Deuteronomy, towards the beginning of the Old Testament, you've got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Let me show you this biblical principle. Deuteronomy chapter number 30. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. God teaches us this principle using Himself as having our hearts turned towards Him. And I want you to notice what the Bible says. Deuteronomy chapter number 30, look at verse number 10. Deuteronomy chapter number 30 and verse number 10. The Bible says... If thou shalt hearken. Now the word hearken, that's an archaic word for the word listen. Okay, so he says, if thou shalt hearken. Or he's saying, if you will listen unto the voice of the Lord thy God. To keep his commandments and his statutes which are written in this book of the law. And if thou, notice, I want you to notice this phrase. And if thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all thine, notice this word, with all thine heart. Do you see that? Let's read that together. With all thine heart and with all thy soul. Now here's what I want you to notice, okay? When you hearken or listen unto the voice of the Lord thy God, God equates that to turning your heart to Him. Now notice the contrast to that. Skip down to verse number 17, same chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 17. Notice what it says. But if thine heart turn away... But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt, notice, not hear. Do you see that? See, when your heart is turned towards God, you will hearken to the voice of God. But when your heart is turned away from God, then you will not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. See, here's what, here's, here's what you have. You have a wife 
that says to her husband, I know we have problems and I know we have issues, but we can work through it and, and we can get and, 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 and we can make this work and, and we just need time and, and, and let's get back to church and let's get back to the things of God and let's get back to, to praying together and, and, and God can help our marriage and the husband will say, no, my friends have told me that I need to go find another wife. Or the or a husband says, well, we can work through this. And I know I, I, I've made mistakes and you've sinned and I've sinned. And, and, but, we, but God can reconcile this relationship. And the wife says, well, my friends at work, they said that I need, uh, I, don't, I deserve someone better. And here's, here's what they're saying. When they will not hear you, their heart's already turned away from you. See, there's many a parent that has a child living with them in the house, but the, child, the heart of that child has already been turned away to some 16-year-old girlfriend, some 16-year-old boyfriend, some other individual, because if they won't hear you, you don't have their heart. Now here's the good news. Go to Malachi chapter 4. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. The last book in the Old Testament, right before uh, the New Testament, you got Malachi chapter 4. The good news is this. Mom, dad, husband, wife. Hearts can be recovered. You say, I don't have the heart of my child. I don't have the heart of my teenager. I don't have the heart of my wife. I don't have... We've lost that closeness. We've lost that relationship. They no longer value what I have to say. They don't really care. They're moving on. They've got another leader. They've got someone else they're following. Here's the good news. And here's the good news that that, that God shares with us. And and the good news I'd like to share with you in this sermon is this. Hearts can be recovered. Notice Malachi chapter 4. Look at verse 5. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5. The Bible says this. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now, Jesus, here's a prophecy of Elijah uh, before, the, before the, the second coming of Jesus Christ. But notice what this prophet is going to do. Verse 6. And he shall, notice, and he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Here's what the Bible teaches us, that it is possible to have a father who has his heart turned away from his children, and have a child who has their heart turned away from their father. But it is possible for that father to turn their heart back to their child, and for that child to turn their heart back to their father. But notice, Dad goes first. He shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children. And in a marriage, I would submit to you, the, the leader, in, in, in parenting, the leaders must turn their hearts to their children before the followers. And in a marriage, you know, a husband, I would uh, challenge you as a spiritual leader that you're supposed to be of your home. And if you don't understand what that means, I'd make sure you're here next week because we'll explain that, what that means to you. But God has given you the authority of leading your wife and your children spiritually. And I would challenge you, dad and, and father and husband, to turn your heart first. But you know what? Maybe your husband, maybe you're here and you say, well, my husband's not spiritual, my husband's not even saved, my husband's not much of a leader. You know what? You ought to submit as a wife, and we'll get into that next week. But here's the point, ladies. If you're the spiritual one in the family, then you turn your heart first. Let it not be said that you're the one that quit on the marriage. And mom and dad, let it not be said that you were the one that quit on that relationship, that you're just waiting until they turn 18 so you can get rid of them. It is possible to recover the hearts of your children. And I want you to understand this. It is possible, it is possible to raise a child that at the age of 18 and 19 and 20 and 21, they will still submit to their parents and they will still love their parents and they will still have a relationship with their parents. It is possible. My goal in our sermon on parenting, we're going to be talking about setting goals and a vision for your children. But let me just go ahead and share something with you. My desire is not to simply clothe my children and feed them. My goal is for me to have 
the heart of my children in such a way that at the end of at the age of 20 and 21 and 25 uh, and, and when they're getting ready to be married you know when my daughters are 42 and 43 you know I'll tell you this my goal is to have their heart in such a way that if the wrong person comes and says, I'd like to marry your daughter, I'd like to have the heart of my daughter in such a way where I as her father could go to her and say, hey listen, I don't think that's the one for you and have her submit the care of her dad when she doesn't have to. Simply because we've done a good enough job at keeping her heart. See, that's not possible. As soon as they turn 13 years old, everybody knows, they just rebel and they don't listen. Hey, that's a lie that Satan has, has, has given you. You can keep the heart of a child. A marriage can last more than five years and ten years. You can be married till death do us part. You can keep the heart of your spouse. You can keep that's a lie that Satan has given you. Hearts can be recovered. Hey, well, what do I do? Here's the interesting thing. Go back to Second Samuel 15. Some of you have small children. Here's the beautiful thing of a, of a small child. You have their heart. Every parent, when their child is a, a, a baby and a toddler and a young child, before you start putting them in school and in sports and in places where they have influences other than you, before you made that mistake, you had the heart of your child. And you know that's true. Because your children are dependent on you. They love you. Some of you this morning need to just learn how to keep the heart of your children. Some of you need to learn how to recover the heart of your children. Some of you have had the heart of your spouse stolen. Or the heart of your child stolen. Now here's the interesting thing, okay? Hearts are kept and recovered in the same way that they are stolen. Let me just say that again. Hearts are kept, for those of you that have the heart of your children. Because they're six months old. And hearts are recovered... For those of you that have the rebelling 14 and 15 and 16 and 17 year old. In the same way that they are stolen. I want you to notice how Absalom stole the hearts of the people. Look at verse 2. 2 Samuel 15 verse 2. 2 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 2. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment... Then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Of thy, uh, thy servant is of one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, now notice what Absalom says. Thy matters are good and right. But, now no, notice what he does here. But there is no man deputed of the king to hear. Here's what he's saying. The king doesn't care about you. The king has not given the responsibility of caring for you to any individual. Now notice what he does, verse 4. Absalom said, moreover, Oh, that I were made a judge in the land, that every man which had any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, your, your, your cause is right if someone should listen. But the king, he's busy, and the king, he, he hasn't given that responsibility. He said, Oh, only if I could be given the authority to be able to judge, and I would do you justice. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. Affection. And on this man did Absalom, and on this matter did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. Notice, they came to the king, but they got Absalom. Notice, so Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. I want you to understand something. 
The way that a heart is kept, the way that a heart is, is recovered, the way that a heart is stolen, it's all the same way. People will give their hearts to those who they perceive care about them. People, children, spouses will give their hearts to those whom they perceive care about them. Now notice, you say, well, I tell my kids all the time I care about them. I tell them I love them. I tell them that I'm here for them. I tell them this and that. you got to understand this, okay? People will give their hearts to those whom they perceive care about them, and people will perceive who cares about them by who spends the most time with them. Notice verse 7. You say, well, how long did Absalom do this for? A week? Two weeks? Notice. Verse 7. And it came to pass, notice, after 40 years. Did you see that? After 40 years. 40 years of meeting people at the gate. 40 years of kissing. 40 years of lying. 40 years of listening. 40 years of spending time. 40 years that the people came to King David and never saw King David. And I've got to ask this question about King David. Weren't you wondering for those 40 years, why is nobody coming? Why is nobody asking? Mom, you want to know why your daughter's not asking you questions about life? Because she's asking her teenage friend. Because you are inaccessible. And there is someone else they perceive cares about them. And here's why they perceive they care about them. Because they spend more time with them than you. And it came to pass after 40 years that Absalom said unto the king, I pray thee, let me go and pay my vow, which I have vowed unto the Lord in Hebron. 40 years was the the amount of time that Absalom spent with the people. And after 40 years, the Bible says that he stole their hearts. Say, how do you recover a heart? How do you keep a heart? How do you steal a heart? Here's how you keep it. People will give their hearts to those whom they perceive care about them. And people perceive that people care about them by the amount of time they spend with them. Let me just give you some questions. Mom, Dad, who do your children spend the majority of their time with? Who do your children spend the majority of their time with? Let me just share with you, my wife and I made a decision a long time ago, and I, you know, you, you've got to make your own decisions, that's between you and God. But one of the reasons that my wife and I decided that we would homeschool our children is because we did not want anyone on planet Earth to spend more time with our children than we do. And today in America, you send your kids to daycare for six hours, or school for six hours, then you send them and put them with a coach to play soccer, or baseball, or football, or some after school program somewhere, and basically all you do is take them home, put them in their pajamas, put them to bed, and you do that year after year after year after year, and then you wonder, why don't I have the heart of my child? Maybe because you didn't spend a lot of time with them. Beware of sports teams and youth groups and youth activities with authorities who are competing for the heart of your children. At Verity Baptist Church, we have there is no youth pastor. There is no youth group. Mom, that is your job. Dad, that is your job. It is not our responsibility to be the surrogate parent of your child. God gave you that child to raise and to love and to pray and to teach. And it is your job to spend time with that child. I'm not trying to see the hearts of your children. You ought to be trying to keep the heart of your children. Who do your children spend the majority of their time with? They won't listen to me like they listen to their coach. Because they spend more time with their coach, Dad. They won't listen to me like they listen to their girlfriend. Because they spend more time with their girlfriend. Mom, who do your children perceive cares about them? And let me just go ahead and answer that question for you. It's probably the person that spends the most time with them. Because you've got to understand this. 
love is measured in time. Let me ask you this, parents. Do you make time to spend? Do you make time? Do you carve out time in your schedule to spend with your children? And I'm talking about time spent in active communication. You say, well, we spent three hours last night on the couch watching the television. Oh, that's not, that's not time, okay? Well, wait, every Friday night, you know, we're, I sit down one side of the couch, and he sits on the other side of the couch, and we're there for six hours all day just playing video games. I'm talking about time spent in communication. Well, you look into each other's eyes, and you actually communicate. See, we, we live in a society where, where we've lost this idea of relationships. We, we don't have relations. I, I, know, I know you have 757 friends on Facebook, but I'm talking about people you actually know. Like, you've seen them within the last five years. If, if you, you, you have 750 friends on Facebook, but if you walk by them on the, on the road, you know, on the sidewalk, they wouldn't recognize you. Last time they saw you was junior high school. You make time to spend with your children? Do you enjoy spending time with your children? Sometimes parents will say things like this to me jokingly. And if you said this to me, I don't know it, okay, I'm not trying to pick on you. I've had a lot of people say, but people, you know, it's, it's springtime, it's, it's summer break, or it's spring break, or it's Christmas break. And, and parents will say things like, I can't wait till school starts again. So I can get rid of these kids. Now listen to me, that may reveal more of your heart than you're willing to admit. Do you enjoy spending time with your kids? Do you enjoy spending time with your children? The Bible says that children are inheritance of the Lord. They're the fruit of His reward. Children are a blessing. They're not a curse. Are you constantly putting your kids in front of a television or a video game so that they'll just leave you alone, so that they just will not bother you? There's a reason why we're losing the hearts of our children in America today. Let me ask you this. What or who do you allow to influence your children? Mom? Dad? Go with me just real quickly to Genesis 13. Let me show you an example in Scripture. You ought to be very careful to guard the influences of your children. Those that influence your children, and those that, that the, the things, the people and the things that you allow to influence your children, you ought to be very careful. Because when you allow an influence to come into your child's mind and heart, you will begin to develop an appetite that you may not want them to develop. Genesis chapter number 13 and verse number 8, we find the story of Abraham and Lot. Do you remember Abraham and Lot? I don't have time to go through the whole story, but remember, Abraham and Lot, their possessions had grown a lot, and their herdmen were beginning to argue with each other. The land that they were in was not big enough to, 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 uh, to, to hold both groups. And in verse number 8, the Bible says, And Abraham said unto Lot, Genesis 13, verse 8, first book in the Bible should be fairly easy to find, Genesis 13, verse 8, And Abraham said unto Lot, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Verse 9, is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the, land, the, the left hand, then I will go to the right. And if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. Now already that was probably the wrong move. But Abraham was saying, look, we're having problems, so let's just separate. That's, look, look, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to children, that's always the worst thing you can do. I'm having problems with my wife, so we're just going to, I'm going to go live over here for six months. You're going to end up divorced or committing adultery. I'm having problems with my child, so I'm just going to send them off over here and let them. That's the worst thing you can do. God gave them to you. Look at verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plains of Jordan. That it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord. I want you to make note of this phrase. Like the land of Egypt. As thou comest unto Zoar, 
And Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east. And they separated themselves, the one from the other. So Abraham comes to Lot and says, Hey Lot, we're too big for this land. You know, if you go that way, I'll go this way. If you go this way, I'll go that way. Lot looks around. The Bible says he looks over to the well water plains of Jordan. He saw that they were like the land of Egypt. And he chose that area, verse 12. Um, And Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan. And Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain. And notice, pitched his tent towards Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. If you read the story, you know that it's not too long before Lot is pitching his tent towards Sodom. He's watching Sodom. He's watching the filth of this world. That's the first television. And before long, he's living in Sodom. And as a result, Lot was a Christian man who did not fulfill God's will for his life. As a result, his family was, was, was destroyed and sin ruined his family. And, and here's what happened. And here's why it happened. The Bible tells us that when Lot had a choice to make, he chose the side that was closer to Sodom because it was like the land of Egypt. And here's a question I have for Abraham. Here's a question I have for Lot. How does Lot know that Sodom is like the land of Egypt? Now you're there in Genesis 13. Look at Genesis 12. Genesis chapter 12 and verse number 10. I don't have time to go into this story, but you, you, have, you can study it out on your own if you'd like. But notice Genesis chapter 12 and verse 10. And there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. Now you know that it was not the will of God for Abraham to go down to Egypt. God had told Abraham to be in the promised land and God had told Abraham that he would take care of him because there was a famine, Abraham decided to go down to Egypt. If you read the story there, you know Abraham got himself into trouble. Abraham lied to Pharaoh about his wife. His wife almost gets taken. It's all this big old mess. Finally, he leaves Egypt at the beginning of chapter 13. Look at chapter 13. Look at verse 1. Genesis 13, verse 1. And Abraham went up out of Egypt. Now notice who Abraham took with him on his little vacation to Egypt. He and his wife and all that he had. Notice this. And Lot. You see that? And Lot. See, Abraham takes Lot down to Egypt and says, no big deal, we're just going on a vacation. No big deal, we're just going there for a little while. No big deal, it's just temporary. And he exposes Lot to a culture. He exposes Lot to a people. He exposes Lot to the, the Egypt always represents the world in Scripture. It always represents slavery and the house of bondage and the place of, uh, uh, of worldliness. And he exposes Lot to Egypt. And when Lot gets to a place where he's able to make his own decision, he says... You know, I like that Egypt. I know we were just there for a little while, but there's an appetite that was developed in Egypt. And he says, you know, that's Sodom. That's like the land of Egypt. And he made a choice that ruined his life. And I'm here to tell you, Mom, I'm here to tell you, Dad, you allow your kids to watch whatever they want on TV. And you say, what's no big deal? You know, I trust my kids. You are not smart. You allow them to watch whatever you want on TV. You allow them to listen to whatever they want on the radio. You allow them to have internet on their phone and allow them to get exposed to whatever they feel like getting exposed to on the internet. You develop appetites and then you say, Why does my child not have a heart for God? Because you allowed influences into their life that developed appetites. Lot should have never known what Egypt was like. But because they went on a little excursion, it developed an appetite, and this is what Lot said. When I turn 18, I'm going to go live somewhere like the land of Egypt. Ruined his life. 
Beware of sports teams and youth groups and youth things that allow your kids to develop friendships with worldly children. I, 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 don't, I don't understand. Uh, homeschool families, you know, they say, well, we're going to homeschool our children and we're going to, you know, protect them from the influence of the world. And then you go put them in a sports team with the same worldly kids that you were trying to keep them away from when you homeschool. Does that make any sense to you? I'm not against, you know, public school kids. I'm not saying they're, they're bad. What I'm saying is this. If you're going to protect your children, protect your children. God gave you that child. And people say, well, I don't think that we should, you know, that we should protect them that way and you're just going to, you know. And here's the thing. There are influences that a child needs to be protected from and your job, mom, and your job, dad, is to teach them to when they are old enough to protect themselves from those same influences. It's not that one day they turn 18 years old and now it's okay. Go ahead and watch all the films of the world because now you're 18. By the way, mom, by the way, dad, it's your job to protect yourself from those same worldly influences. What is influencing your children? What influences do you allow in your children's lives? I'm not trying to beat up on you. I'm trying to help some young parents that are on their way to lose the heart of their children because they don't realize that someone else is spending more time with their kids and all these influences are developing appetites in their children and you are on your way. You say, well, well there's, they're only 12 years old, but you're, there's already appetites there. Let me ask you a question about your spouse, husband, wife. Who does your spouse spend the majority of their time with? A friend? A co-worker? Or you? Who does your spouse perceive as caring about them? A friend? A co-worker? A neighbor? Or you? Do you understand that adultery is a very real thing in this world? Do you understand that, uh, that you say, well, that would never happen to me. When people spend more time together with individuals that they're not married to, they are more likely to commit adultery. It's a fact. I don't like this preaching. This is the kind of preaching that you need. This is the kind of preaching that Americans you make time to spend with your spouse? Again, time spent in active communication. Do you carve out time? See, some, there, there are some men here that you're not, you're not having a physical adultery relationship, but you're committing adultery on your wife with your job. Because we spend more time on work and hobbies and things that don't matter and we're losing the hearts of our wife and our children and those that matter the most in our lives and it's because we're not spending time and we're sending them a message. It is more important for me to go fishing or golfing or whatever and I'm not against those things if you do them in a balanced time. You understand? But who do you spend most of your time with? See, some of your kids are being raised by the TV. They spend more time in communication with the television than they do with you, Dad. Do you enjoy spending time with your spouse? Go to Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23. Hearts can be stolen. But how do hearts get stolen? They get, they get stolen. People will give their hearts. People will give their hearts to the person they perceive as love. And they will decide... Who cares about them by the amount of time that that individual spends with them? But hearts can be recovered in the same way they were stolen. See, you don't have to. You don't have to just say, "Oh well, I've lost the battle. It's too late. They're 17 years old. I just got one more year, and then you just go to soccer." You don't have to say that. Well, this marriage is done for, you know, let me just go ahead and start logging into, you know, uh, matchmaker.com and maybe the next one will just be better. You don't have to throw in the towel. 
You can recover the heart. Notice Proverbs 23. Look at verse 26. Proverbs 23, verse 26. I love this. I wish some of you dads would say this to your kids. My son, give me thine heart. Some of your husbands ought to go to your wife and say, Honey, will you give me your heart? Some of you moms should go to your, your teenage boys and your teenage girls and say, Hey, listen, sweetheart. I, I know I haven't done a good job with this, but can I have your heart? Now notice, you gotta understand. Look, 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 what the, look what the verse says. My son, give me thine heart. Now notice. And let thine eyes observe my ways. See, getting your child's heart, your spouse's heart, or anyone's heart has more to do with what you do than what you say. My son, give me thine heart. Well, I'm asking for thine heart. And let thine eyes observe my way. See, David lost the hearts of his people. And let me just say this. David lost the hearts of his people when he lost the moral authority of his leadership. When David committed adultery, he lost the respect of his people. And they were looking for someone to lead. I'm afraid that because of the things you've been watching on the internet and the things you've been doing and saying on Facebook, mom and dad, we have lost the moral authority to lead our children. But you can recover it. Children are smarter than you think. They know a hypocrite when they see one. And your children know how you look and know how you dress and know how you talk in the walls of this building, but they know even more what you do and how you act and how you think and what you say outside of this building. My son, give me thine heart. But here's the most important part. Let thine eyes observe my ways. There are some parents in this room that need to go home and just make a decision right now. I'm going to fight for the heart of my child. I don't, I don't care. I don't care what they think. I don't care what they say. I'm going to prove to them, not by the things I say, although that wouldn't hurt, but by the way I act and the way I spend my time. And here's what you got to understand with, with, with family. People, say, people have the silliest things. With family, when it comes to the fa- time with the family, it's not about quality. It's about quantity. You say, well, I don't spend a lot of time with my kids. You know, I only see them every other week. But when I'm with them, I mean, we are going to the amusement parks, and we are doing this, and we are doing that, and it is quality time. I heard somebody gave this illustration. He said, it, you know, imagine that we lived during the time of the Depression. And you were in your little food line there, and they were handing, you know, this, this is where we're on Northgate, so they were feeding us, you know, beans. <laughs> And you, you're, you're there in line, and, and, and the person in front of you, you know, they get their bowl filled with beans, and the person behind them got their bowls filled with beans. Imagine that you walk up, and they just put one little bean on your plate. You say, well, listen, I don't know about that. And imagine that person says to you, well, listen, they, you know, they might not be a lot, but this is the most quality bean we've got. I mean, this is the bean of beans. This is the, it's organic. It, this is the, I mean, this is the, the best bean. You say, hey, I'll take some of your inferior beans if I can get a few more. Some of you are starving your children for time. Why do you have quality time? They don't need quality time. They need quantity time. They don't need the, when we're together, we go to Chuck E. Cheese and we do this. And I know it's only 45 minutes, but man, it's a good time. They need you. Wife needs you. They don't need quality. They need quantity. There are some spouses that need to go home today and say, I'm going to fight for the heart of my wife. 
I'm going to fight for the heart of my husband. I'm going to move this. We're going to change this. Remember we talked about last week? This family tree, this family legacy is going to change right here. But it all depends on what you do. Let thine eyes observe my ways. There are some parents here who need to decide. Some of you parents here right now, you've got children young enough to you still have their hearts. You need to decide right now. I will not lose the heart of my child. Can you still raise a child that is 23 and 24 and they still love mom and love dad? We'll talk about this more in the weeks to come. But you know, one of my goals for my children is not just, my wife and I, our goals for our children, it's not just that they would be saved and that they would go to church. One of our goals is that as adult children, they would still want to have a relationship with us. You said, well, that can happen today. I mean, you just don't know. When they go to school, when they go to this, they begin to rebel. Nobody has a good relationship with their teenager. But you can. But you can. There are some parents who need to decide. I will not lose the heart of my child. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I, I, everything you said, I, I did it wrong. It's already too late. I could have done it. You can fight for the heart of your grandchildren. You can come alongside some young parents and help them and influence them. Don't give up. Don't throw in. The, the, we, we're not going to get to it, but David, David basically gave up. And Joab had to come to him and say, hey, listen, David ended up winning the battle against Absalom, and he's mourning the death of Absalom. And Joab comes and says, if you don't go out there and show your, that your heart is turned towards your people and encourage them for the good job they did, you're going to lose them. It's going to be even worse than anything Absalom ever did to you. And David began to turn his heart back to his people. I just want to encourage you. Turn your hearts back to your children. Turn your hearts back to your marriage. See, we, we, we're going to learn all the practical things about marriage and parenting and all, all of it. But listen, at the end of the day, the most important thing is the heart. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would use our words this morning. Not to offend. I know people are going to get offended. It's inevitable. But our goal is not to offend. Our goal is to warn and encourage there are some people that are just, they're done. They're just done. They say, this isn't going to work. This marriage is not going to work. I'm just, we fail. Lord, I pray that your spirit would help us to get a fight in us for our children and a fight in us for our marriages and say, yeah, maybe, maybe I messed up and maybe I had the wrong priorities and maybe I lost the heart of my children. Maybe I lost the heart of my spouse. Maybe, maybe I, I spent more time in other places and I, did, and, I, and, I, and I gave them a perception that I didn't care. But today, but today, you can choose to get that heart back. Lord, I pray that you would, I, I pray that there would be marriages that would be restored that children would be raised for the honor and glory of your name. Help us to protect our children from those things that will influence them. Those things that will draw their hearts away from you. Lord, I ask for my marriage and my children that you would help me to lead them and love them in the way that you have commanded me to do so. In precious name I pray. Amen.